1: Have you ever resigned from a job? I did recently. In an attempt to gain more social interaction, I took a position in what I used to do before podcasting. Senior life enrichment. To say the least, it did not go well. After two years of working with my brother doing podcast, I just don't have the temperament to work around negativity. I'd rather sell my feet pics online. So I packed up and got the hell out of there. And the feeling of sheer joy that I felt from not having to go back there was more than overwhelming. Well, I left because I wanted to. But our subject for today's lesson had to leave his job out of scandal and cover-ups. His name was Richard Nixon, or Tricky Dicky to some. I knew a man called that before. And his thing could blow bubbles. But our tricky dicky, he left because he didn't want the extent of his underhanded tactics to come to light. Hi, hello, and howdy, my darlings, and welcome back to Rotten to the Core. No need to curtsy. Tis only I, your not so evil queen, Joshua Waters. Today, let us scry into the past using my handy magic mirror and pry open history to see just how rotten some humans have been. Before we go further, I do have a few announcements to make. First, if you'll remember, I told you a few months ago that I was going to only do one episode per month. I felt that I needed something else for social interaction, and as I mentioned before, that didn't pan out. I'm glad that I did because it showed me just how much I enjoy doing this and how therapeutic it is for me. Especially getting to reach, teach, and hopefully help all of you. In saying that, I will be releasing a new episode of Rotten to the Core every week from now on. Second, I have also teamed up even more with my brother, and you can now join us in our all-inclusive Facebook group, Shane and Josh's Rabbit Hole, where we will have all of our pods, listeners, and more interaction with everyone. Foul Play, Rotten to the Core, Mystery Inc., and Hometown History listeners all together in one online community. How's that for social interaction? There we will delve deeper into episodes, tease upcoming shows, and offer behind-the-scenes tidbits. But that's not all! You'll also be part of exclusive Q&As, trivia nights, and book club discussions revolving around the themes of our podcasts. So buckle up and hold on, because you're about to get a whole lot more of this queen. Now, if I had a dollar for every time I've said this, let's get back to Dick. Magic mirror on the wall. Who is the biggest Dick of them all? Oh, my stars. No, not not what I meant, magic mirror. But I ain't mad at it. Magic Mirror, screenshot that, and show me Richard Nixon. Little Dickie was born in January of 1913 to a modest family in Southern California. His family, particularly his mother, were Quakers. He was known to have been an intelligent student and excelled at music, much to his abusive and violent father's dismay since he wanted his son to be a Toxic masculine sports star Dick had four brothers Two of which were sickly children And their illnesses took Much of their mother's time One of them, Arthur Died when he was only seven And his other brother, Harold Died when he was a young man Of only 23 Nixon would regularly say That he was from a hard background And that it taught him How the world truly works He would develop a disdain for those born with a silver spoon in their mouths and would often bring up his rags-to-riches life in debates. He would say often, We were poor, but the glory of it is that we didn't know. Ain't that the most middle-class thing you ever heard? Honey, if you're poor, trust me, you're well aware. As a kid, he would be found often reading He also ran for class president and would debate with his friends and his mother. He graduated second in his class at Whittier High School and was even accepted into Harvard. However, his parents were too poor to send him there, so he ended up going to a local Quaker college. There he became known as a marvelous debater he finally became a football player as well as an actor in the drama club. He graduated in 1934 and, because of his excellent school record, was awarded a scholarship to the Duke University Law School. By 1937, at the age of only 24, he had graduated and was a fully-fledged lawyer. And while in law school, he excelled and was one of the top law students in the whole state of California. His middle-class upbringing would come back to haunt him, though, because every well-known law firm he applied to ended up turning him down. Sometimes it's not about how much you know, but who you know. Why hire an intelligent person when you can hire a rich one whose daddy will give you clients? Poor Dick learned the hard way that he was going to have to work even harder to reach his desired success. And work harder. He did. His poor childhood gave him the determination to rise above it and prove that he was just as good as those from generational wealth. After Dick was refused by all the law firms he applied for and even the FBI, he ended up moving back home to live in an above-the-garage room at his parents' house and got a job at a small, local law firm. In 1938, while rehearsing for a role at the community theater, Dick met the future Mrs. Dick, a high school teacher named Thelma Ryan, or Pat, as her friends called her. One evening, he drove her home after rehearsals, and he asked her for a date. Pat told him that she was busy, but he didn't take no for an answer. Which was even more common back then than it is now, believe it or not. So Dick wedged himself right into the friend zone in hopes of wearing her down. He even forced himself to learn how to ice skate and, bless his heart, drove her on dates with other men. That reminds me of a drive-in theater that was in our area when my parents and grandparents were younger. I remember they would often tell me about how they would all ride together with friends to the drive-in that played the dirty movies. Then... I don't know, they would all sit there and thumb each other or whatever the straights do. After a year of friend zoning it and not taking no for an answer, Dick was finally able to convince Pat to go on a date with him. And in June of 1940, Thelma married her Dick. And the two formed a union of perseverance and helping each other reach success. Within two years of getting married, the couple moved from California to Washington, D.C., and Dick began his doomed political career. Things didn't pan out the way he had hoped, and within a year, he became a Navy Dick. A Dick at Sea, if you will. He served until 1946, but never saw any real combat. That's something we've learned a few times on Rotten is how it can help one seeking a leadership role to have some military background. Nobles used to buy their son's position in the military. Yes, while they were technically in it, they never usually saw battle or were in harm's way. I believe this must have been Dick's plan to help further his political agenda. If they don't respect me because of my poor family, maybe they would as a war hero. The same year that Dick returned from service, he was given another political opportunity and learned a little something about himself in the process. He learned that he was gifted at smear campaigning. If you can't get him to like you, make them hate the other guy more. Ah, the good old days, before politicians just started smearing themselves and still somehow succeeding. Today we have them groping and, I don't know, stroking off their partners at, let's say, a Beetlejuice play, and literally nothing happens to their career. It's funny how time changes things, isn't it? People used to be arrested for doing that in a theater, but wait, that was only if there were two men. Apparently, if it's a straight couple, then it's just, I don't know, a smack on the hand. But not the only thing in the hand, am I right? (laughs) (laughs) To win his first election, Nixon went hard at smearing his opponent He even just made stuff up as he went Claiming that his opponent had ties to communism Based on a piece of scrap paper that he held in his hand at a debate Yeah, I have the best spies, my spies know all, they see all Why would I lie to you, fine people? That would only be the start of Nixon's career-long deceit and smear campaign. He smeared his skid marks all around until he finally became a senator and received the nickname, Tricky Dick. He would say things like, My opponent is pink, right down to her underwear. And basically do anything he could to make voters think he was the more capable candidate. Buttery males! Sound familiar. In 1952, Republicans nominated Dwight D. Eisenhower to run for president, and he was craving a little dicky to be his vice president. It was reported that Nixon had a political fund that his backers maintained to reimburse him for all the expenses while running. While that was not illegal, it exposed Nixon to allegations of a potential conflict of interest which led Dick to address the public in what would be known as the Checker speech. In that speech, Nixon emotionally defended himself, stating that the fund was not secret, nor had donors received special favors. He painted himself as a man of modest means. My wife has no mink coat. Instead, she wore a respectable Republican cloth coat and a patriot. The speech was remembered and named for the gift that Nixon had received, but which he would not give back. A little cocker spaniel dog sent all the way from Texas. And our little girl, Trisha, the six-year-old, named it Checkers. It worked, too, because after, he began receiving a lot of public support. For some reason, the public was just thrilled to find out that his wife didn't have an expensive fur coat and they had a dog. Boy, it didn't take much to convince people back then. Just say you love Jesus, hate communism, and were once poe. What the public doesn't find out, the public doesn't need to know. Does anyone else think it should be illegal to become wealthy as a politician? I think that may weed out the people who do it for money, fame, or for any reason but serving the people. Just a thought. While he was vice president, Nixon was given more responsibility than any other VP in the past. He was privy to more information, could attend more important meetings, and became more involved in foreign affairs. I myself have had a few foreign affairs. Hola papi con gran He served Eisenhower's first term, but when Dwight came up for re-election, he really didn't want a little Dick to be his VP any longer. He then tried to convince Dick not to run again, but to no avail. Nixon had the public support, and that was what wins elections. And that was true because the pair won re-election in November of 1956. Once that was over, though, Dick had high ambitions, deciding to run for the office of the president. But his running mate was none other than John F. Kennedy. It was also the first election where debates became televised. I'm not saying that's why Dick lost, but being on TV with the attractive JFK didn't do the tired-looking and unshaved candidate any favors. Nixon narrowly lost the election, with Kennedy winning the popular vote by only 112,827 votes. There were charges of voter fraud in Texas and Illinois, both states won by Kennedy. Dick refused to consider contesting the election, feeling a lengthy controversy would diminish the United States in the eyes of the world, and that the uncertainty would hurt U.S. interest. Hmm, even little Dickie had more morals than recent presidents. At least he seemed to care somewhat for the U.S. and our reputation. And he didn't start an insurrection. When he lost, Dick loaded up the truck and they moved to Beverly. Well, not Beverly Hills, but back to California. While back home, he wrote a book and was convinced to run for governor of California, a position he initially showed no interest in, but decided it would be a good stepping stone to another attempt at running for president. But he lost that election, too. And he blamed the press for painting him in a bad light. Yes, you heard that right. The man who is famous for smear campaigning and nicknamed Tricky Dicky was mad that the same thing he did was done to him. <sighs> Poor little dick. In his concession speech, he told the press that they would no longer have Nixon to kick around because this would be his last press conference. If only. As we know, Tricky Dicky went on to not only win the presidential race, but he would have many more press conferences as well. Now before I get into the rest of the bad things done by Dick, I did want to point out that while he was president, he created the Environmental Protection Agency, the Department of Natural Resources, as well as the Clean Water Act. He was also an advocate for women's rights. Many say he was genuinely concerned about it, and not just as a way to gain votes from women. The EPA and Clean Water Act, I believe, were genuine concerns of his as well. But I can also see it as a way to gain popularity among the growing number of hippies who were protesting the ongoing Vietnam War. Nixon also started the war on drugs, which has only gotten worse since it began. Dick wanted to stop people smoking weed and doing acid. I don't think he had any idea about the tidal wave of opioids that were coming. During a protest of the Vietnam War, four students were shot by the National Guard, and Nixon, he only called them bums who shouldn't have been protesting. I'm sure he called the Guard members who did it very fine people or something similar. Dick was also the president during the popular moon landing, which, while neat, seems like an awful waste of money, especially with, oh, I don't know, an ongoing war. Whatever came of the moon landing? We learned about the composition of the moon and finally got to see the Earth from a distance? Ugh, overcompensation much? My thoughts on the moon landing are the same as when I see a small man driving a huge truck. Sorry about your little dicky. In his efforts to end the Vietnam War, by them surrendering, Nixon concocted the idea to just bomb the hell out of them, until they had no other choice but to surrender. The war was ongoing, and over 200 Americans were dying every day, not to mention the thousands of Vietnamese who died and the fallout of the deadly Agent Orange that was used, which caused casualties and health issues for all sides and still has repercussions to this day. My own grandfather was exposed to it during his time serving during the Vietnam War. And there has been a slew of health problems that have passed down in my family line. Schizophrenia, multiple personality syndrome, multiple sclerosis, and some skeletal abnormalities. He died suddenly only at the age of 54. The people of Vietnam still suffer birth defects to this day that were all brought on by the Agent Orange exposure. But that's not all on Nixon. It was President Kennedy who authorized its use. Now, I'm sure all of you have heard about the Watergate scandal. It is what caused Dick to resign in shame. And, I don't know, the name makes it sound like some military event, but it sure wasn't. It was named Watergate after the building in which it occurred, which was also the Democratic National Committee headquarters. First, one of the informants of the Watergate scandal, well, he went by a particular code name. And I kid you not, it was Deep Throat. (laughs) Yes, that's right. Dick was in league with Deep Throat, and it ultimately caused Dick to shrink away from the public eye. You like how I did that? (laughs) I'm sorry. Hey, somebody has to think I'm funny. It might as well be me. (laughs) During the scandal, several men were found robbing the Democratic offices at the Watergate building. And once they were found out and questioned, it was found that their orders were coming from none other than the White House. Tricky, Dickie was hoping to bug the wires and steal information to help him succeed even more. Well, once it was discovered that Dick was partially responsible for the crime, he made the decision to resign versus getting impeached and the full extent of his crimes being exposed. The Watergate scandal was one of the worst abuses of power of any president in history. Well, As soon as Nixon heard about the men's arrest, he did everything in his power to cover his tracks, even publicly lying about it for months. For the good of the country, he said. Dick violated several laws and tried to hold himself above those laws and above the people. But as we all know, leaders are held accountable by the people especially when those leaders are attempting to undermine democracy itself. While it isn't uncommon for leaders to compromise in order to succeed, but blatantly breaking the law and attempting to cover it up is something that cannot and is not tolerated. It threatens the core beliefs that the United States was created on. President Dick found out exactly what happens to a president when they attempt to fraud the very people they work for. And on August 8th, 1974, Dick Nixon hosted a press conference and gave his resignation speech. It is the only time a president of the United States has resigned. And he did it to keep his remaining secrets hidden. I have never been a quitter. To leave office before my term is completed is abhorrent to every instinct in my body. But as president, I must put the interests of America first. America needs
0: a full-time president
1: and a full-time Congress. The next day, President Gerald Ford was sworn into office and pardoned Dick for all of his crimes. Dick got away scot-free and decided to end his career as what he called a fighter. President Dick wasn't the worst leader that we've had, but he certainly seemed to be a crook. His scandals haven't been matched until more recently. We became too accustomed to being lied to and screwed over and are still suffering repercussions because of them. I like to blame Dick in part for the normalization of lies and scandals and attempting to cover them up, which I think makes him more than Rotten to the Core. I thank and appreciate all of you for joining me here on another episode of Rotten to the Core as we learned all about A Little Tricky Dicky. If you enjoy Rotten, please follow me on Instagram or join me on Patreon. You can also listen to me on my other podcast, Mystery Inc., which I do with my brother Shane. Don't forget about our new Facebook group called Shane and Josh's Rabbit Hole, where there will be a plethora of extra fun, foul, mysterious, rotten, and historical things all a-brewin'. So feel free to join us there, and until next week, I bid thee, Adieu. Be happy, find peace, and don't hurt others. And try to cover it up.
0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas?